The title this morning is Humanity's Sin. Humanity's Sin. So we've talked about the Creator's love, and now we talk about how humanity's sin uh, separated us from God's love. And so the main scripture we're using here is Romans 5.12. It's uh, the next verse on the GAM plan. And uh, the Bible says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of the gospel, that it is still bringing men to salvation. And oh, what a privilege to study it and to declare it to those who desperately need it. We pray that in our next few moments together, your Holy Spirit would guide the tongue of this preacher and that you would use this lesson to give us a a clear understanding of the gospel, to equip us to share it with others, to give us a greater appreciation of the great salvation we've been given. Oh, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would be the true teacher this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So number one, uh, if you're taking notes, what we see in this verse is the origin of sin. The origin of sin. Notice it says, as by one man sin entered into the world. So a couple key things here. The world was originally created perfect by God. And one question you're going to encounter a lot uh, in your soul winning is something like this. If there really is a God and if he is good, then why is there so much evil in the world? Why are there all of these wars? And they could list all kinds of different evils. And we take them right back uh, to Genesis when by that one man, Adam, sin entered into the world. Uh, it's interesting. The, the Greek word for world, it literally means orderly arrangement. And so when we see that word world, we're reminded of how God is the designer of the world. And in Genesis 1.31, the Bible says God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. So God's original design was very good. It was perfect. There was nothing wrong with it. And he, he gave humanity this uh, perfect garden to enjoy with him. And it was by man that sin entered into the world. It didn't belong in God's perfect world, but man brought it into the world. Now, another question you're going to encounter, or, or kind of uh, an extension of the question already mentioned. So, the presence of evil in a world, how do we reconcile that with a God who's supposed to be perfect? Well, one thing that you can tell people is that in a world with free will, so in a world where we could be capable of having a genuine love relationship with God, free will is a necessity. You can't have a genuine love relationship with a robot that's programmed to do what you want and say what you want. Uh, there has to be free will involved if there's going to be a genuine love relationship. But in a world with free will, there's always going to be the possibility of sin and evil. And so uh, really this shows us the great love of God that even though he knew what a mess we would make, he still created us with free will to enjoy his love 
and he would deal with the mess that we would cause. Uh, but those are some uh, ways we can fundamentally answer some big questions that uh, people might have. Uh, so mankind brought sin into the world. and maybe a, a definition you could write down for sin. Sin is anything contrary to God's holy nature and his perfect will. Sin is anything contrary to God's holy nature and perfect will. Or uh, it's anything that falls short of God's glory. The, the Bible word for sin, it literally means to miss the mark. And so God is this holy and perfect creator who only wants what's best for us. His will is up here. But we as human beings, because of our sin, we fall short of his glory and his perfect will. We, we miss the mark. And any time that we make decisions contrary to his good and perfect will, we are engaging in sin. Now in Genesis 3, we really get to see uh, a, a perfect summary of, of sin and, and, and the nature of sin. And first, sin always begins with doubt. Doubt. Doubting God's word. The, the serpent came to Eve and said, Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? He's trying to introduce doubt, trying to get Eve to question uh, God's word, question the validity or the truth of it. Then it, it, it goes from doubt to uh, complete disbelief, disbelief. So, Satan introduces doubt, and then he just flat out lies. And he says, ye shall not surely die. God said you're going to die, but you won't die. And so to make the choice, and, and next, so, so sin starts with doubt, then it goes to disbelief, and then it manifests itself in disobedience, disobedience. So we started doubting the word of God, then we just didn't believe his word, and we believed the lie, and then... We disobeyed his revealed will. And so Eve had to choose, and Adam as well, to doubt God's word, then to not believe it was true, and then to uh, choose to do their own thing. And this disobedience involves this idea of asserting self above God, putting ourself in the place of God. And, and uh, the, the serpent appealed to this evil desire within man. He said, you know, if, if you eat of this, you'll become as gods, knowing good and evil. And then the, the Bible says in Genesis 3, 6, that Eve, when she saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. And so it's this assertion of putting ourself in the place of God and putting ourself above God, wanting to be our own gods. And so we see really a snapshot there of the nature of sin. And then next from Romans 5.12, so we see not only the origin of sin, but the outcome of sin. So man brought it into the world. It was, it was perfect prior to that. Man introduced it. And then the outcome of sin, Romans 5.12, and death by sin. And death by sin. And here's what we need to be able to explain to people. Sin is not just breaking some rule. Sin is not just in some religious context where you did something bad and there's going to be consequences. 
Sin is a rejection of God who is the giver of life. It's rejecting him and his perfect will. And so sin always brings death. But we've got to understand that it's the sin that brings death, uh, not necessarily God. What do I mean by that? Well, if you were in the desert and uh, you were thirsty and someone offered you water, if you rejected the water, you can't blame the canteen of water for killing you. You rejected that source of life. You brought death upon yourself by rejecting the source of life. And that's what sin is. God is the giver of life. He says, enjoy my creation, enjoy fellowship with me, enjoy eternal life. And then man is faced with a choice to obey God's will and enjoy that eternal life or to reject him and bring death upon themselves. The Bible is very clear. Uh, James 1 says, sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Sometimes the way we communicate sin and, and judgment It makes God out to be some angry judge in heaven watching for when we make some little misstep and then he comes down with a hammer. No, 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 no. God has revealed his perfect will. I'm the giver of life. I want what's best for you. Here are your options. You can obey me and enjoy life or you eat of the fruit. You shall surely die. You're going to bring death upon yourself. And so sin is a rejection of God and his goodness and his life. And we bring death upon ourselves. No one goes to hell because God uh, angrily or unkindly or unjustly sends them there. People choose to go to hell by rejecting God's offer of salvation, his offer of eternal life. And when we're talking about death, we explain to people, you know, it has this aspect of spiritual death. That's what happened with Adam and Eve. They didn't fall over physically dead the moment they ate of the fruit. But inside the spiritual part of them that was created to have a relationship with God, that died. And now, rather than being excited about fellowship with God, they were afraid and they hid with him. And that's how all of us come into the world. Where, uh, and, and, and that gets us to our next point. So not only we see in Romans 5, 12, the origin of sin, the outcome of sin, but we see the offspring of sin, the offspring of sin. And just to clarify, before we go on, God is a righteous judge, and he meets out judgment, and uh, he, will, he will incur death on someone. But we, we do need to communicate that he has only ever wanted to give us life, and we choose death. So just to clarify that. But the offspring of sin, Romans five twelve. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So we're all the descendants of Adam and Eve, and we've inherited their sin nature. And so one simple way you can put it, and this brings us to our last point, not only the offspring of sin, but the onus of sin. The onus of sin. Onus means the responsibility. It says, death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And so we inherited the sin nature of Adam, and so inherited that that death. And we enter the world spiritually dead. But then we're also, so we're sinners by birth, but then we're also sinners by choice. Sinners by uh, birth and sinners by choice. We inherited it from Adam, but then for that all have sinned. We have willfully choose to rebel against God and are counted guilty with Adam 
on account of our own choice to rebel against God. And onus, if you're wondering how that's spelled, it's O-N-U-S. O-N-U-S. Okay, so how can we wrap this up? At the beginning of the gospel conversation, we're trying to really communicate. God created a perfect world, and he created us to enjoy that perfect world as his cherished children, as his reigning representatives. And it was only our sin and rebellion that brought death, that brought sorrow, that brought evil into the world. And sin is not just simply breaking some arbitrary rule. Sin is an affront against our creator. It's putting ourselves in his place, wanting to be our own gods. And it's a rejection of him, the giver of life. And it's to choose death. That's why in Deuteronomy, Moses said, I put before you life and death. Life if you obey God. Death if you rebel against him. Choose life. And that is a choice that every human being is given. And in Romans 5.12, if you read that passage on your own, after verse 12, there's this long parenthetical uh, couple sentences of the Apostle Paul. But then he picks up the thought in verse 18. And he says, Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one many, uh, shall many be made righteous. So that's the context of Romans 5.12. The Apostle Paul is arguing that just like we are all counted guilty under Adam, we can all be counted righteous under Christ. And so when we're sharing the gospel, we're telling people, look, you were born in this world, a child of Adam, or as we read in Ephesians 2, a child of disobedience. Destined for hell because our sin brings death. And ultimately the second death spoken of in Revelation. But Jesus Christ has come to offer life. And so you need to get out from underneath Adam as your representative. And you need to get under Christ as your representative who can justify you. And we'll pick up there next week uh, with the next phrase in John 3.16 that he gave his only uh, begotten son. But let's pray.